ಪಾರ್ಥಯ ಪ್ರತಿಬೋಧಿ ಭಗವತ ನಾರಾಯಣ ಸ್ವಯಂ ವ್ಯಾಸೇನ ಗ್ರಥಿತುರಾಣಮುನಿ ಮಧ್ಯೆ ಮಹಾಭಾರತ ಅದ್ವೈತಮೃತವರ್ಷಿಣಿ ಭಗವತಿ ಅಷ್ಟಾಧ್ಯಾಮನುಸಂದಿ ಭಗವದ್ಗೀತೆಷಿಣಿ ಯಂ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮವರುಣೇಂದ್ರರುದ್ರಮರು ಸ್ತುನ್ವಂತಿ ದಿವ್ಯೈಸ್ತವೈ ವೇದೈಸ್ಸಾಂಗಪದಕ್ರಮೋಪನಿಷದೈ ಗಾಯಂತಿಸ್ಥಿತೇನ ಮನಸ ಪಶ್ಯಂತಿ ಯೋಗಿನಸ್ಯಾಂತನ್ನುರಾಸುರಗಣ ದೇವಾಯ ತಸ್ಮೈ ನಮಃ ಅಶೋಚ್ಯಾನ್ ಅನ್ವಶೋಚಸ್ತ್ವಂ ಪ್ರಜ್ಞಾವಾದಾಂಶಾಷಸೆ ಗತಾಸೂ ನ ಗತಾಸೂಂಶ್ಚ ನಾನುಶೋಚಂದಿ ಪಂಡಿತ ದಿಸ್ ಇಸ್ ಎಲೆವೆಂತ್ ವರ್ಸ್ ಇನ್ ದಿ ಸೆಕೆಂಡ್ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ವೇರ್ ಲಾರ್ಡ್ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಬಿಗಿನ್ಸ್ ಇಸ್ ಟೀಚಿಂಗ್ ಅಶೋಚ್ಯಾನ್ ಅನ್ವಶೋಚಸ್ತ್ವಂ ಯು ಆರ್ ಗ್ರೀವಿಂಗ್ ಫಾರ್ ದೋಸ್ ಹೂ ಶುಡ್ ನಾಟ್ ಬಿ ಗ್ರೀವ್ಡ್ ಫಾರ್ ದೇ ಡೋಂಟ್ ರಿಕ್ವೈರ್ ಯುವರ್ ಗ್ರೀಫ್ ನಂಬರ್ ಒನ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ದಟ್ ದರ್ ಇಸ್ ನೋ ಕಾಸ್ ಫಾರ್ ಯು ಟು ಗ್ರೀವ್ ವಾಯ್ ದಟ್ ಸೋ ಗತಾಸೂನ್ ಅಗತಾಸೂನ್ಶ್ಚ ನಾನುಶೋಚಂತಿ ಪಂಡಿತ ಪಂಡಿತ ದ ವೈಸ್ ಪೀಪಲ್ ನ ಅನುಶೋಚಂತಿ ದೇ ನೆವರ್ ಗ್ರೀವ್ ಆಫ್ಟರ್ ದೋಸ್ ಹೂ ಆರ್ ಡಿಪಾರ್ಡೆಡ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ದೋಸ್ ಹೂ ಆರ್ ನಾಟ್ ಡಿಪಾರ್ಡೆಡ್ ವಿತ್ ರೆಫರೆನ್ಸ್ ಟು ಎನಿ ಒನ್ ಆಫ್ ದೆಮ್ ದ ವೈಸ್ ಪೀಪಲ್ ಸಿ ನೋ ರೀಸನ್ ಟು ಗ್ರೀವ್ ಸೊ ದರ್ ಇಸ್ ಸಮಥಿಂಗ್ ಇನ್ ದ ವಿಸ್ಡಮ್ ಅಪೆರೆಂಟ್ಲಿ ದಟ್ ಸಿಮ್ಸ್ ಟು ಎಲಿಮಿನೇಟ್ ದ ಗ್ರೀವ್ and there is something in absence of wisdom namely ignorance that brings about the grief this statement very clearly so shows who does not grieve the wise do not grieve so what does wisdom have to do with grief it only means that grief is only experienced by those who are not wise that means the wise are able to see something that the other wise or the ignorant do not see or maybe ignorant see something more than what is there that's another problem so there is only a rope and you see it as a snake so that also can be a problem seeing something more than what is there can be a problem or not seeing something which is there can also be a problem <coughs> both are the problems we do not see the true nature of the person standing in front of me number 1 and superimpose something that is not there number 2 here arjuna does not realize who himself he is and what is the true nature of all the people standing in front of him about the death of whom he is so much worried <coughs> so he does not know the true nature of a human being or true nature of a thing number 1 and also therefore he imposes something which is not there he takes himself as a limited individual only confined to this body he takes himself to be as good and as big as his body and therefore considers other people as relatives and therefore there is an attachment and therefore there is this grief so grief arises on account of attachment a possibility of loss a possibility of separation and they he would not mind losing something with which he is unconcerned how 100 americans died in the war is a big thing you know i mean uh, new york times reports every day how uh, in pennsylvania there is so much people are grieving because they lost people and it's true 100000 people have died in iraq it doesn't particularly matter you know for the simple reason that we are not connected with them if something happens to my son oh it's you know i can't sleep at night and if something happens to somebody else's son it doesn't bother me so this this grief and this worries and anxieties all of these are products of attachment it is not that a person grieves on account of death per se Arjuna is grieving on account of death of what he considers as near and dear ones. So it is that consideration of nearness and dearness, the attachment, is really cause for the grief here. And that attachment comes because there is a relationship. 
between this body and the other bodies, and therefore between I and others. Here it means that I take myself to be the body and I take them also to be the body. And therefore relationship between the body is taken to be a relationship between the self. Therefore it is necessary to understand what we call the discrimination between the self and the non-self. The very same topic that is being discussed in the morning. The discrimination between the self and the non-self. And Lord Krishna proceeds to do that. That wise people know the true nature of the self. And therefore they do not see any cause for grief. Now what is it that the wise know is now is going to be described from the subsequent verses. <coughs> Kotahate ashochyaha yato nityaha. How come they are ashochyaha? How come you should not grieve for them? Because they are all eternal, meaning they are imperishable. All those people who are standing in front of you, and you also, and I also, Lord Krishna says, Who are we? The twelfth verse now begins the discussion of that. Natvevaham jatunasam natvam neme janadhipaha Lord Krishna says, Jatu, it was never, na jatu, it never was that I was not. See the mode of expression. Lord Krishna says, it never was that I was not. What does it mean? It means that I always was. It never was that I was not. Meaning what? I always was. You know what it means? It means that there is no birth for I, Lord Krishna says. What is it that we call birth? We call it birth when a, an entity or a person is not there. Little, little child, an infant is born, a child is born. At this moment the child is not. And at a given moment the child appears. So when a thing is not there now, and when it appears at a given point in time, then that phenomenon is what we call birth. Now when it is said that there never was a time when I was not, then there is no birth. Because for something to be born, there must be a time when that thing is not. For me to be born, 50, 70 years ago or 20 years ago, it is necessary that I should not have been there 50 years ago. Then alone I can say that I was born at a given point in time. But when I say that never was a time when I was not, which means that I am never born, I always was. Lord Krishna says, that is true of me. Arjuna might feel that Lord, you are something special. You are God. You are Lord and therefore true that you never were born. You always were. But how about me? Natvam, Lord Krishna says. It is not that you never were, meaning you always were. Arjuna is being told. What does it mean? That Arjuna also was never born. Then Arjuna might think, oh, I am something special also. Maybe I was not born. How about all these fellows who are around? Neme Janajipaha. Even these kings and all the warriors who are standing on both armies, it, there never was a time when even they were not. Meaning, all of them were always, always were. There never was a time when I was not, Lord Krishna says. There never was a time when you were not. There never was a time when all these people were not. Meaning, I always was, you always were, all of these people always were. Meaning, I never underwent a phenomenon called birth, nor did you undergo a phenomenon called birth, nor did any of these people around undergo a phenomenon called birth. Nobody was ever born. They always were. Okay. Arjuna might say, maybe they were not born, but I am sure that soon they are going to die. Once this battle starts, and once they test the, uh, you know, the sharpness of my arrows, none of these fellows is going to survive. Then Lord says, second line, Nachayivana bhavishyamaha sarve vayamataf param. Ataf param, 
even afterwards. Uttarakalevi atafparam means even after the destruction of this body. Nacha even bhavishyamaha sarvevayam. It will never be that we will not be. Even after the death of the body, it will not be that all of us will not be. What does it mean? That there will be no death. What do we call death? That a person is now and he is not there later on. Then we say that the person is dead. That is called the phenomenon or event called death. When something is at this time and is not there at some other time, then we say that in future time, then we say that the person is dead. Here Lord Krishna says, there never will be a time when all of us will not be. Meaning, none of us is subject to death. So when it is said that there never was a time when we were not, which means that none of us actually were subject, are subject to birth, and there never will be a time when we will not be, meaning that none of us is subject to death. What does it mean? In spite of the fact that Arjuna also is born, in fact we celebrate every year the birth of Lord Krishna also. There is a particular day that is celebrated when Lord Krishna was born. Everyone knows Arjuna also was born. History shows that Arjuna also died. Even Lord Krishna also died. And all those fellows who were standing in the armies, all of them died. So all of them were born and all of them died. And in spite of that, Lord Krishna says, none of them is, was born and none of them will die. <coughs> so from which standpoint? From the standpoint of the body, all of them were born and all of them died. But from some other standpoint, Atma Swarupena Nityaha, from the standpoint of the Atma, from the standpoint of the soul, not soul, Atma, the self, from the standpoint of the self, if you want to use the word soul, it doesn't matter if we understand what it means. But from the standpoint of the self, nobody is born and nobody dies. Take the case of a pot, that a pot is born at a given point in time and if the pot gets broken, then we say the pot is dead. But then even when the pot was born, how about the clay? Even before the birth of the pot, the clay was. Even when the pot is, the clay is. And even when the pot breaks, the clay is. So pot is there, we subject to birth and death. But the clay, in that illustration, is not subject to birth or death. Meaning, the name and form is born. But as far as the real essence or the content is concerned, it is not born. It is that essence or the content which appears in a given form, and that form goes away, then perhaps that content may appear in a different form. But as far as the content is concerned, the essence is concerned, the truth is concerned, it is neither born nor dead. This Atma or the Self is what we call Nitya. Nitya means eternal, beyond time, not subject to the phenomenon called birth or death. <coughs> so, in the next verse, Lord Krishna gives an illustration to show how Atma or the Self is Nitya. Nitya means Avinashi, non-perishable, non-destructible. And that which is not subject to death also is not subject to birth. But the usual rule is whatever is born is going to die. When we say that Atma does not die, it means that it is not born also. Meaning Atma or the Self is beyond this phenomenon of birth or death, beyond the influence of time. It is beyond time. Now the next verse gives an illustration of how Atma is Nitya or eternal says in the thirteenth verse, Dehinosmin yathadehe kaumaram yavanam jara tatha dehantara praptihi dhiras tatrada muhyade. Yatha asmin dehe, just as in this body, Dehinaha, for the embodied one, kaumaram, there is childhood, yavanam, there is youth, jara, there is old age, just as for the indweller of the body, there is the childhood, the youth and the old age. 
So what does it mean? There is someone who is indweller of the body. There is someone who is witness of all the states of the body. And who is that? The I. I know that I was a child. I know that I was a youth. I know that I am old or whatever. And so the person, the I, always remembers all the different states of the body. And then my awareness of I was not less because I was a child. Or not that that awareness of the I or that I self grew where it grows of the body. Or that it shrinks by shrinking of the body. Even a child also is fully aware of the self, meaning that it, it has a full awareness of the I. When, suppose my, I lose a limb, I do not feel any loss as far as the sense of I is concerned, the sense of selfhood is concerned. The idea is, the changes that undergo in the body do not bring about any changes in my awareness of myself or that the full awareness of myself does not in any way change on account of changes in the state of the body. Even when I was a child, I was a full person. When I was young, I was a full person. As a little Ben, you know, he also takes himself as a full being. He may feel from the strain of the body that he is small. But as far as his being is concerned, he takes himself to be a full-fledged being. The idea is that as far as my understanding or my awareness of the self is concerned, it does not get diminished by the diminishing of the body, nor does it increase by the increase of the body. That I-ness, the self-awareness, remains changeless in spite of the different states of the body. <coughs> and I am the witness of different states of the body. I remember myself as a witness of the body that is child, as a witness of the body that is youth, witness of the body that is old age. And constantly the process of birth and death is taking place. The child is dead when the youth is born and the youth dies when the old one is born. Isn't that so? The child dies when the youth is born because the child and the youth cannot exist simultaneously. So child is replaced by the young man. So the child died and the young was born and the same young was displayed, replaced by the old. The youth died and the old was born. So whereas one died and the other was born, I did not die nor was I born. The self did not die and a self was not born. When the child died and the youth was born, youth died, the old, age, the old one was born, when this process of birth and death take place with reference to the different states of the body, I find that I do not feel that I am born or I am, die, I am dead, that I is neither born nor dead. The idea is that the I, the self, which is the witness of different states of the body, remains unchanged in spite of the various changes going on in the body. <coughs> so here is the distinction between the self and the body. That it is a body that undergoes various states, various modifications, various changes. And this, a self is the one who is witness of this, distinct from that. <coughs> now the very same logic that the self remains changeless in spite of the various changes taking place in the body, that is now extended. Tasa dehan tarapraptahi. So, anyaha dehaha, dehad anyaha, dehantaram. So, another body. Similarly, also, when this body is given up and another body is acquired, same thing. Nothing happens to the self. When the child's body was given up and the youth's body was acquired, the youth's body was given up, the old body was acquired. Similarly, old body is given up and a new body is acquired. Dhiraha tatrana muhyadi. As far as dhiraha, the wise man is concerned, 
na mukhyati he does not get deluded in any way meaning he does not associate the different states of the body with the states of the self he realizes that the self remains unchanged the witness what it is in spite of the various changes in the body here lord krishna takes it for granted dehantarah that there is another body that the self keeps on being associated from one body to the other body from one embodiment to the other embodiment and thus what is death is nothing but a separation from this body what is birth is nothing but association with a new body same entity passes from one to the other body without undergoing or without being affected by any changes taking place in the body the idea is that even when this body dies the soul does not die the atma the self does not die <coughs> when body grows the self does not grow when body shrink self does not shrink because it is independent of the body and not affected by any changes going on in the body <coughs> that being the case if the body happens to die then the wise one knows that the self does not die and therefore there is no grief because when we really grieve upon a death upon our own death forget about somebody else's death arjuna is concerned about his own death also and our death definitely causes a tremendous amount of fear tremendous amount of grief even that possibility because we feel i feel that i will be wiped out i will no more exist and i cannot stand that there's a natural love for existence on the part of the human being on the part of every living being everyone loves life everyone loves to exist everyone loves to be perpetuate perpetually existing and that is the reason why i cannot stand the idea of my being non existent but unfortunately on account of my identification with the body i feel that i will be non existent when this body will not be will be non existent but that is not the case because i enjoy an existence quite independent of the existence of the body as it will be explained in the subsequent verse just as a man discards old garments and puts on the new ones similarly also the self discards the old body and gets associated with a new one and by discarding the old garment and taking on the new garment no changes take place in the one who wears the garments and similarly also the disassociation within the one body and the association another one does not bring about any change in the self who is associated alone but who is not connected with it so lord krishna distinguishes the self from the body where is the birth birth is in the body where is the death death also is in body but self is neither born nor dying so if you are grieving on account of death of the self then may you know that the self is not subject to death meaning it is beyond this limitations of birth and death it is beyond the limitation of time <coughs> if one understands this then there cannot be any delusion or any grief with reference to the death or birth of the self then arjuna may raise another question okay lord from what you say now i realize that i the self is not the body and therefore it is true that when this teaching really sinks into me there is no question of my grieving with reference to the birth and death of the body but how about the various experiences taking place when i am alive again and again there is heat and cold as i said heat and cold represent the, all the pairs of opposites there is comfort and discomfort pleasure and pain honor and dishonor so when i am constantly confronted with opposite situations in my life also association with this is i mean your know, separation from the loved ones and association with those i hate so when all these events keep on taking place how can i become how can i remain free from grief this is a question this is definitely there will be grief as my life proceeds even though there is no grief with reference to death definitely there will be grief with reference to the various experiences in life isn't it 
then Lord Krishna addresses that problem in the verse 14. Matras parshastu kaunteya shitoshna sukhadukhadaha agama paino nityaha tam stitikshaswa bharata. Says, hey Bharata, hey Arjuna. Bharata is the name of Arjuna because he he, he belongs to the lineage of the king Bharata. So he is in the, the lineage of Bharata. So he is called Bharata. Matras parshastu kaunte shitoshna sukhadukhadaha. Matras parshaha. The word matra here means the sense organs. And parshaha they mean the sense objects. So when the sense organs come in contact with the sense objects, which constantly happens, that is what we call nothing but our day-to-day transaction with the world, wherein our organs of perception and organs of action constantly keep on coming with, in contact with variety of objects, with corresponding objects. And thus we keep on hearing different sounds, different words, different speeches. We keep on seeing different forms and colors. We keep on tasting different food. We keep on smelling different objects. We keep on touching different things. We keep on grasping and walking and all this when we do. Then constantly we come in contact with the world, with the objects of the world, with people of the world, with situations of the world. This is what we call life. Because in life there is always relationship. So from the moment we wake up in the morning till we go, till we fall asleep, in all waking moments there is always going to be some or the other relationship. Either I am related to people or related to objects, related to animate or inanimate objects, some or the other relationship is always there during all the waking hours. And whether that experience will be either what we call agreeable or disagreeable, conducive or non-conducive. There cannot be a third thing. Either I like or I dislike. Either a given experience or association generates happiness or generates unhappiness. I treat a certain behavior as honoring me or as dishonoring me. And so these pairs of opposites we constantly come across. So they will generate shitoshna sukha dukkadaha. Hey Arjuna, these experiences in your life will constantly generate what we call the pleasure and pain or honor and dishonor or heat and cold or comfort and discomfort. How should you deal with them? Will you keep on reacting if an experience is agreeable? Will you react with an elation? Or if an experience is disagreeable, will you react with an aversion? Usually, attachment when something is agreeable and aversion when something is disagreeable. This is how we keep on reacting. And that is how we suffer. So, normally in our life, now there is a grief of course by at the possibility of death or the thought of death, but there is constantly grief accompanying us in our constant experiences also. Grief in terms of encountering things that are disagreeable. Encountering things that are not conducive. Arjuna, he says, Lord Krishna says, Agama apainaha anityaha tam stitikshaswa. Tam stitikshaswa. May you suffer these things, or may you put up with these things, or may you have forbearance as far as all these various experiences at the sense level are concerned. Titikshaswa. Visoyin tattvavoda titiksha. Shitoshna sukhadukhadi sahishnutvam. Endurance of pleasure and pain, comfort and discomfort, honor and dishonor, without losing the poise of mind is called titiksha. Arjuna, may you maintain your poise of mind in spite of in, in and through all these changing situations of life. With what understanding? Agama apainaha. Understand that every experience is subject to coming and going. The pleasure comes and goes. Displeasure comes, goes. Honor comes, goes. Dishonor comes, goes. People may honor us, people may insult us. People may say things which we like, 
people may say things that you do like, dislike. We may eat food that we like, we may eat food that we do not like. We may be in a place in which we are happy, we may be in a place in which we are not happy. We may come across people who are agreeable, we may come across people who are disagreeable. This will keep on constantly happening. Arjuna, do not react. Do not lose the balance of your mind. Maintain a balance or equanimity of the mind in spite of this different situation. Then you'll be free from the grief that arising from reactions in different situations. <clears throat> so another thing that causes grief in our day-to-day -day life is reaction. Reaction of attachment and aversion, passion and anger. So these are the reactions. When I come across something disagreeable, anger arises, aversion arises, resentment arises, hatred arises. And sometimes it also results into what we call violence. On the other hand, when I come in contact with something that is agreeable, immediately I am attached to that. I want to grab on to that. I want to hang on to that. And that also causes pain because anything that comes will go away. Even what I like and what is agreeable also ultimately will be separated. And that will cause me pain. So understand that what I like also will cause me pain. What I dislike definitely causes pain when it is there. But what I like also will cause me pain when it is not there. <coughs> and the, the, the nature of life is what is there now will not be there later. Agama apainaha. All of these objects of the world and all of the experiences are subject to coming and going. Agama means to come. Apaya means to go or perish. All of them are subject to arising and perishing, coming and going. Anityaha, all of them are changing. So the world will keep on changing at its own pace. World follows its own rhythm. World functions according to its own laws. And it is not in your control. You cannot control anything in the world. You can hardly control anything. I can't even control my body. I cannot even predict how I'm going to feel at 6 o'clock, you know, uh, this evening. Whether I'll have a headache or stomachache or some aches or pains. I have no way of knowing. Next, I wake up in the morning with a headache. I wake up with a, a sore throat. I wake up with few, all kinds of things. What can we control? In this life, we can control very little. I can't even control my mind. I tell my mind, come on stupid fellow, keep quiet. Doesn't keep quiet. Keeps on blabbering inside and keeps on doing all kinds of things. Keeps on complaining, keeps on, you know, resenting. And thus, there is nothing that we can control. And therefore, what should be our understanding and our relationship with the world? That the world is given freedom to be what it is. Let it be agreeable or disagreeable, pleasant or unpleasant, whatever it is. I maintain the poise of my mind knowing that all of this is momentary. This also will pass. Meaning, even the pain is there, there is also momentary. Pleasure is there, there is also momentary. And therefore, I do not get attached to anything, nor do I express an aversion or resentment for anything. If the unpleasant comes, fine, let it come. If the pleasant goes away, fine, let it go away. Should I become insensitive to life? This is not insensitivity. This is merely understanding the facts of life. So that, you do not put any investment in things, you know, because there is no need for it. You be objective about the life. That's the idea. <clears throat> and after all, what do you mean by agreeable and disagreeable? Isn't it that agreeability and disagreeability basically are the projections of the mind? Can we say that there is a situation which can be branded or called as agreeable? If there is a situation that is agreeable, it should be agreeable to everyone, but that's not so. The very same situation that is agreeable to one can be very disagreeable to another one, right there. When you are traveling, you know, uh, and you happen to sit in a, you happen to get a, a seat in a way which is in the smoking section. Generally they ask you, smoking or non-smoking? But suppose all the seats in the non-smoking uh, section are occupied, and so you wind up with having to sit in a smoking section in an aeroplane. And 
the fellow sitting next to you quietly starts, you know, and he lights a cigarette and enjoys that smoking with all the smoke and all the rings and everything else. And that smoke will invariably come to me. This is the nature of the smoke. That it goes to the people, person who doesn't want it. That's how the things are in general. That always we wind up things that we do not want. And the smoke invariably comes all into my nose and I just get suffocated. That fellow is enjoying smoking. He's in heavens and simultaneously I'm in hell. You know. So what is the situation that we call agreeable and what is the situation that we call disagreeable? Is there any, any kind of a definition that a given thing is agreeable or disagreeable? No. Agreeability and disagreeability essentially are the notions or projections of our own mind. Says here, Juna, we will not project. What word would you call an insult? What word would you call a praise? What would you call honor? What would you call denial? It's just a fancy of the mind. It is a mind that at one point decides that this particular thing is, is an honor to me. The same mind may decide the same words coming from someone else as dishonor. Who knows? If someone says something to me, I am so Hey, my child is so wonderful, you know. This is so mischievous. Some parents are so proud of their children. You know, my child broke this. They don't mind, you know. But it is his child that, is, that broke it, you know. You know, my child, anything that you buy in the home, he just puts, you know, he's, he puts it apart, you know, every part. So a clock comes in the house, that opens everything, and then everything is dismantled. And the father is happy, my child is going to be an engineer, you know, or something like that. And let the neighbor's child come and even touch that clock. You think he's going to allow that? Not at all. And therefore, one kind of a behavior, which actually we accept as, uh, as we consider as acceptable, and even sometimes giving us a joy, the very same kind of behavior we cannot accept from someone else. Same words may make me happy when they come from one person, and the same words may make me unhappy when they come from a different person. Even the same thing may make me happy from the same person at one time, and the same thing from the same person may make me unhappy at another time. All this agreeability and disagreeability in Sanskrit called anukulyam pratikulyam. Anukula, agreeable. Pratikula, disagreeable. All of these are simply notions of the mind. Nothing else. A wise person is the one who always deals with the realities of life and not with one's own projections. An ignorant person always projects, never, never really relates to the world as it is. Always superimposes his own projections upon every situation and thus uh, brands a situation as agreeable or disagreeable. Brands a person as agreeable, disagreeable. Good, bad, right, wrong, beautiful, ugly. What are these business? What is beautiful? What is ugly? Simply a product of my own imagination. In Africa, the black will be beautiful. In America, white will be beautiful. And perhaps in India, brown will be beautiful, you know. So what is beauty? Is it five feet six inches that is beautiful? Or five feet eleven inches that is beautiful? They're all just individual concepts or notions. Simply, so all of these ornaments, everything, all of these are simply projections. Some people believe that wearing ornaments you look beautiful. Some people may believe that you don't look beautiful. Some people discard all the ornaments, some people, ex you know, wear all the ornaments. Some people discards a motor car, somebody buys the very same one. Somebody gets rid of the person, gets divorced, other fellow is waiting. And the, it's, it's hard to know, you know, what is agreeable and what is disagreeable. And this is how the world is. That's what Lord Krishna says. That, understand, Lord, that the suffering again in life comes from what we call the projections of our own mind. We very rarely contact a situation as it is. We always contact it by superimposition. There is what we call these glasses, the mental glasses of likes and dislikes. And everything, every stimulation that comes is colored by my mind and something is superimposed upon that, either like or dislike, attachment and aversion, and that is alone how I, my mind distorts everything. 
does not see thing as it is and therefore all these reactions and pleasure and pain and grief and suffering arise on account of this distortion of our own mind and not necessarily because the world has something like that so what do we do agama painaha well mind will not stop reacting right away but when the mind reacts it which it will by the fast habit remind your mind agama painaha it's only momentary it will go away nothing is permanent everything is now there and will not be later is something very pleasant tell your mind this is momentary understand that and accordingly relate with it so unpleasant let your mind understand this is also momentary and therefore don't worry too much about it tam stitikshasva bharata this is called titiksha this is a way to relate with the world by which we can maintain what we call a balance of our mind in spite of the changing situations one of the important qualifications of is of anybody who wants to be happy and particularly of the one who is seeking knowledge and that's what is said in the next verse yam hina vyatyantyate purusham purusharshama samasukh samudukha sukham dhiram somrutatvai kalpate this kind of forbearance or endurance has great dividends yields great dividends great reward what's the ultimate reward yam hina vyatyanti ete 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 this two this two means is pairs of opposites heat and cold comfort and discomfort pleasure and pain honor and dishonor all these what we call the pairs of opposites ete yam purusham navyasyanti vyasyanti so when these pairs of opposites do not in affect a person navyasyanti ete do not cause they do not perturb a person they 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 do not cause any grief or reaction in a person <coughs> meaning when something agreeable comes a fellow does not jump in joy and lose himself it's one thing to enjoy something is another thing to lose yourself nobody says you don't enjoy life but don't get lost in the thing always remain a Uh, always remain in control of yourself when something ag- nice happens we lose ourselves so much that we don't know what we are doing and what we are talking we forget that we lose our balance of mind our sense of proportion and of course when something disagreeable comes we lose ourselves in things like anger and resentment etc so person loses oneself in anger as well as loses oneself in elation when a person is able to maintain that balance of mind and the person does not grieve is not perturbed is not disturbed in spite of these pairs of opposites which keep on confronting him moment to moment samadukha sukham dhiram for whom the sukha and dukha both of them are sama are equal sukha means that which is happiness or agreeable situation he doesn't lose his balance dukkha meaning disagreeable or pain again it does not lose the balance when it is able to maintain the equanimity of the mind in spite of this changing situations saha amrutatvai kalpate he is kalpate he is fit for amrutatvai for immortality so this is one of the important qualifications of being able to maintain what we call the equanimity or balance of the mind in spite of the various changing situations not being affected by the vicissitudes or like or the various changes taking place in the life and maintaining an equanimity of the mind is of course it is not possible unless it's not possible that you can do this merely by resolve that i'm not going to be disturbed atnitya atmadarshanat so since this person is he knows something about the situations he knows something about himself he he sees something which is much more profound than what is evident on the surface so life is like an ocean there are all kinds of waves and, and storms at the surface level but then in the depth there is a great peace and profundity and the wise man who is able to see that peace or profundity in spite of the apparent changes 
and then he doesn't get perturbed or disturbed by them. So one who can remain undisturbed or unshaken in spite of all these pairs of opposites constantly confronting oneself, saha amrutatvaya kalpate, he is fit for amrutatvam, meaning the immortality or the knowledge, moksha, meaning the freedom. <coughs> so by the way, Lord Krishna also advises Arjuna about some qualifications, some kind of a disposition of mind that is required in order to understand this teaching, in order to own up the teaching. So, samadukha sukham dhiram. Dhiram meaning dhimantam, one who is intelligent or one who is discriminative. So, one who constantly addresses one's mind, we find that reactions take place. But then, we use every occasion, even when we may have reacted, even when we may have lost the balance of our mind, we definitely do not let the occasion pass by without learning something from that. We would say that, yes, we are going to lose the balance of our mind in different situations, okay. But after that situation is over, address that situation, meaning scrutinize it, review it, and then find out what is it that made you lose your balance of mind. And what change is needed in my outlook? It is merely a change in outlook that is required here and not so much the change in situation. So we'll find Bhagavad Gita constantly advising us that what is needed in our life is to change ourselves and not change the world. What we call an extrovert man always goes around changing situations and things to try to make them comfortable or conducive so that he can be happy. Here on the other hand we are told that the world cannot be changed by you because the world follows its own laws and has its own rhythm and it is you who should actually change so that in spite of various changings happening in the situation that you are able to maintain a balance of mind. Not that you become insensitive. That heat also comes, doesn't nothing happens to you. Somebody tells you harsh words that you don't feel anything, that's not the sense. <clears throat> not that you become insensitive. But you become, you change your outlook. Knowing fully well that it is the nature of the world to change and thus in spite of those changing, being able to maintain an equanimity or balance of the mind. I realize that there is something that I have to learn, something that I have to change, that I am not able to accept the facts of life. Heat is a fact of life, cold also is a fact of life, honor is a fact of life, dishonor also is a fact of life. They are all just facts of life. Accept the facts of life without complaining, without blaming. In fact, learn to enjoy them. Ultimately, we should arrive at a, we should grow to a point where we can enjoy heat and cold both equally. <coughs> and honor and dishonor both equally. Pleasure and pain both equally. Because all of these are only superficial conditions. And as we will be told, all of these are manifestations of the same reality. What you call the world or the universe really is manifestation of the same one reality that we call the self or that we call God, that we call limitless. Same limitless, same God or same self manifests itself as the world. And therefore, as far as the core is concerned, it ever remains changeless. It ever remains the same beautiful and profound principle, profound truth. Only the surface is like this. So changing situations are manifestations of the same Lord or the same truth of the principle which is inherently beautiful, which is inherently of the nature of joy, which is inherently of the nature of truth and love. And when we are able to contact that, of course the superficial changes will not bother us. For example, my little child whom I love, Sometimes the child is angry and sometimes the child may kick the father, you know. Am I going to kick him back? No. I know it's my child. Sometimes the child will be dirty and still I, I embrace him. Sometimes he may be wearing clean clothes. Sometimes after playing it is dirty. Sometimes, uh, you know, it is behaving in a funny way. And still I'm able to enjoy that child in all the various situations. You have to see the albums of the parents, the kind of albums they maintain. 
all kinds of pictures they have of the children. All different poses. Child is beautiful, ugly, playing, weeping, crying, angry. They enjoy everything. Why? It is because I am able to transcend all the superficial appearances and I am able to relate to the core which is the child. So when we will not be uh, will not be disturbed by or will not be thrown off our guard by the external appearances and when we are able to contact that inner core which is ever the same beautiful then this changes externally will not bother us. Like the gold in whichever form it comes as long as you relate to it as gold fine, you like it. The children quarrel about that also. The child says, I want this ornament and not a given ornament. Because for the child what is important is the form of the gold. For the goldsmith what is important is the gold itself. To the goldsmith doesn't matter in what form the ornament gold comes. To the one who is attached to the form, there is always a difficulty. To the one who understands and relates to the core, there is no problem at all. So understand that all the variations are at the superficial level. As far as the ultimate principle is concerned, it is ever the same, ever changeless. Like the waves in the water, the content of the water remains the same, but the water alone comes in the form of different waves. So one who relates to that as water, there is no problem, with, I mean there is no change in his outlook. One who only relates to the waves keeps on you know, relating in different ways. So, therefore, dhiraha. Dhiraha means the wise. Dhiraha means the discriminative one. Who is able to discriminate between what we call the person and the personality or the costume and the one wearing the costume. Regardless of what costume that person comes, as long as I relate to the person, the change in the costumes do not matter to me. And thus a wise man realizes that the same life comes to me in different costumes, in different situations and he is still able to relate with what is the core or what is the essence and therefore doesn't get perturbed or disturbed by what just life brings to him at the superficial level. And this very very profound principle in fact is going to be discussed in the next verse which is a very important verse and what is said generally in the two verses now, at the what we call Vyavaharika or at the working level is now going to be analyzed from Paramatika or absolute level in the next verse. We will discuss that tomorrow. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vadarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutau Vande Bhagavantau Punaf Punaha Ishvaro Gururatmeti Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyomavadvyakta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Gurubhyo Namaha Hari Om